Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Score McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, the video version, first right here on YouTube at War Media, once again at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch our audio version, which will be released every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and every Saturday, the audio version at War on Anchor. We are available, excuse me, on all podcast platforms. Just make sure you type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. For more details, that's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are unapologetically fun. And let's kick it off, Lakina, as usual, with baseball. And let's talk about my favorite team, the Chicago White Sox. Yes, the first place, 36-23 as of this recording. Chicago White Sox, the first place place team in the American League Central. They took two, they took three out of four from the, the bad place cheating as AJ hits Detroit Tigers over the weekend on the south side. Lakina, before we break this series down, let's run down the scores. The first game was just last Thursday. Uh, they defeated the Tigers 4-1 to one. last Friday. Thank you to the Yamanator, Yermaine Mercedes. They defeated the Tigers 9-8 uh, to eight, uh, in nine innings. The Tigers came back on Saturday to defeat the Sox 4-3. Of course, on Sunday, Dylan ceases 10 strikeout performance. Shut out the Tigers 10 to nothing. Lakina, I noticed a couple of things. Of course, I was there in attendance for the, for the series finale last Sunday. I noticed a couple of things. The White Sox offense, they can produce runs when they have to. In the pitching, uh, minus Lucas Giolito's performance last Saturday, their starting pitching has been outstanding. Number two, Adam Engel, his return to the lineup Sunday. I know Billy Hamilton, who's been a cult hero for most Sox fans for the last couple of weeks, he's on the 10-day IL, the injured list, because he strained, uh, he strained the injury on his right side during a, um, a plate appearance last Saturday. Adam Engel, we've been waiting for his return all season long. He's not that great with the bat, but he is great with the glove. And we saw that uh, in Sunday's game, Robin the Detroit Tigers of a home run during the fifth inning of the 3 nothing win last Sunday. Lakina, the defense is on point, but the starting pitching, that's where this team is identified. That's where this team's strength is. That's where this team is being led by right now. As I said early in the season, especially with, with all the injuries that they have been dealing with, the White Sox will have to take a page out of the 2005 World Championship playbook and that's, we're gonna have, that's the way they're going to have to win ball games. Right now, they are doing that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're clicking all, all cylinders finally for them. I mean, the, their, their pitching has been really solid. You know, Giolito, even though had his struggles initially, but, you know, the good news is that the Sox were able to win mm-hmm. that game thanks to Mercedes. And, I mean, 
look, I think this is sort of like the consistency. Like, the, even the middle relief has been really solid for the White Sox in these last few games. And look, you, look, you did what you're supposed to do. You like you did what you're supposed to do. You lost, you lost one game, but that you know from that series. But that that's that's fine. Look, it it happens. You know, it, you know, mm-hmm. a sweep would be good. But a sweep, you know, you would love a sweep. But look, it's it's okay. You were able to they were able to salvage the series. And that's what that's what you expect them to do. And and I, I think look, they're you know this is like you know, the perfect time for them to be clicking on all cylinders right now if you're, if you're a White Sox fan. And, I mean, I think, look, Cleveland's not going to go away. Casey isn't going away. And I think if you're if you're the White Sox, you want to try to kind of beat the teams that you know you can beat. So, you know, with Detroit, Detroit's one of those teams. So, you know, they're not they're, – they're good, but they're not – you know, they're not, they're not like they're, – they're still like a couple of seasons away that Detroit is. So, you should be able to beat them. You have a tough one starting tonight against Toronto, against that offense, mm-hmm. you know, their, their pitching is, you know, a little suspect, but, you know, there could be like eight, seven or seven, six, you know, those type of games. I don't be surprised if we see mm-hmm. that. So now, you know, going, going back here, but uh, look, I think that your, your middle relief has been actually been pretty good lately. They haven't given up. They only get up. I think they only get up like one or two runs during that whole series with Detroit. Mm-hmm. Look, I think your defense has been pretty solid. Look, Tim Anderson doing what he always does. You know, Mercedes mm-hmm. actually got, got out of that slump. You know, what a way to do it, you know, with a walk-off. But, look, I think if you're a White Sox fan, you got to be feeling pretty good right now. You have to be uh, feeling pretty good if you're a White Sox fan. As I mentioned, the uh, the defense is actually playing well right now. Uh, the middle relief uh, is starting to come through right now. I don't think I mentioned this in our last episode, Lakina, but congratulations to Liam Hendricks. You know, he's been my – um for lack of a better term, punching bag at points throughout early parts of the season. But he won the American League uh, Reliever of the Month for the month of May. Uh, uh, congratulations to him on that. Uh, he's converted, I believe, 11 saves in a row right now. And uh, he, he he did it again la- last Sunday uh, uh, in the series finale against the Tigers. So we, uh, the White Sox, uh, right now, they look like geniuses by assigning him uh, as a free agent in the offseason. Aaron Bummer last Sunday. He actually looked good for once. I know it was against a bad team, but you yeah. need to start building confidence in him. He needs to start performing. He looked good. Cody Hewer looks good uh, as a young reliever. Uh, like I said, Matt Foster, I've been really impressed with all season long. He's been the, the most consistent one coming out of it. But, and of course, Michael Kopech, uh, he's their long relief guy. He's currently on the IL dealing with a hamstring injury. Hopefully he'll be back soon. And so uh, the bullpen, hopefully these are signs that they're starting to come around. And so you like to see that continue. Now, looking at uh, the matchup with the Toronto Blue Jays, as you mentioned, uh, game one will start tonight on the south side. You have Lance Lynn going. And then, of course, Wednesday tomorrow, for those of you listening on the audio version, you'll have Dallas Keiko. And then Thursday, uh, Keiko will go Thursday. Lance Lynn will go tomorrow. Yeah. Carlos Rodon will go tonight. So Rodon, then you have Lynn tomorrow, then Dallas mm-hmm. Keiko on Thursday. I'm really concerned about Dallas Keiko looking. You know, hopefully this is just a rough spot for him right now. I know he hasn't been pitching that great in his last two to three starts. I was at the game last week uh, at, uh, during the doubleheader against Baltimore. He didn't pitch that great, but he pitched well enough for the Sox to give the Sox the chance to win. Of course, the Sox won that doubleheader. And, of course, uh, his last start against the Tigers didn't look that great, but the Sox somehow – found a way to win that game against the bad Detroit Tigers team. So this is a really important start 
for Dallas Keiko coming up in the, in this series as they kick it off tonight on Southside against Toronto. As we talked about before, Lakina, I know we'll get to the rest of the MLB from the weekend later on. But the Toronto Blue Jays, they can score runs, folks. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he can hit the ball just like his daddy. <laughs> and he's going to try to do that in this series uh, against the Sox. Of course, you have Dante Pichette's son on on the ball club. You have Craig Biggio's son on the, on the ball club Come now. On, so, yeah. yeah, and so uh, you have some boppers down there, Lionel. So it's not going to be easy for the Sox, but I believe they'll rise to the challenge. You should do no worse to take two out of three from these guys. So uh, I'm I'm very encouraged to see what I'm looking at from the White Sox right now. Just making sure that starting um, that starting staff still stays stays on point. Yeah, I think that's what you need to do, especially with a, a team that can hit the ball like the Blue Jays. So, look, hopefully Kyle can get it together for that start. I mean, they, they should be able you – know, they've been kind of – their pitching has been questionable. Toronto, they're kind of, they're, their pitch has been inconsistent. That's kind of the reason why mm-hmm. their record is where they are right now. We'll, again, we'll talk about them and the, the, the whole MLB in a second. But – I mean, there's no reason why the Sox I, – I, look, I, I know I've been, you know, lobbying for this Toronto team the last couple of years. They're still kind of a year away, I think. So there's no reason why the White Sox can't win two out of three. If, although, like I said, don't be surprised if you see like a 10-9 or 9-8, those, mm-hmm. kind of, those kind of games, you know, at least for a couple of them because, you know, this could be one of those things where like it will really be like, you know, first to 10 runs or nine runs wins. But, you know, that should be exciting nonetheless. But it should be a very exciting series, though. I mean, look, you know, like I said, there's no reason why the White Sox shouldn't win it. But, again, you know, you try to kind of keep it – keep the wheels turning if you're, if you're the White Sox. So it's just keep the wheels turning. You haven't had any distractions. No one said anything stupid. You know, Madrigal, we're, you know, we're back to like a Madrigal. We're still like a Madrigal again. So <laughs> it's just – you know, just you know how you know how white how white sex fans how how fickle mm-hmm. they are about Mandrigal at times. You know that. So as long as your pitching is doing well, look, Gilio didn't have his best start, like I said on Saturday, but you know they were able to come, you know, you know, pull through and win that game. Maybe you should maybe you should wear sunglasses and pretend like he's pitching at night. Maybe that'll help. You know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that'll help his confidence. You know, you know how quirky some pitchers are mm-hmm. sometimes, but you know. But look, like, like I said, there's there's no reason why the Sox can't win this series against the Blue Jays. I think, look, I think they've got the talent to do it. Like I said, they've got they've clearly got the edge in pitching over the Blue Jays. But then again, you never know. I mean, we'll see. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown as we talk about the Chicago White Sox, the first place Chicago White Sox at 36 and 23. Lakina. Let's stay with the White Sox for just for a couple more minutes. Uh, we asked this question to Lamont Pope, the White Sox beat writer for the Chicago Tribune in our last episode over the weekend. Uh, who could, who should be the number two starter uh, should the playoffs start today? I know he threw out Dallas Keuchel's name because of the experience. I know he's not been pitching that great lately. Maybe it will be him down the road, but I think your clear consistency number one starter will be Lance Lynn. And I know Tony LaRusso trusts him. I know Lynn is a proven veteran, playoff veteran. I know he won, won a ring with LaRusso in 2011. Mm-hmm. So I, so Lance Lynn clearly will be a game one started today if the playoffs will start today. Yeah. I yeah. have to ask you a question again, Lakina. Mm-hmm. Who could be your number two starter for the playoffs as of right now, mm-hmm. as of June 8th? Could it be Dylan Cease, uh, based on what he did on Sunday against the Tigers? He's 7-0 against the Tigers in his career. He has four career 10-plus strikeout games. Three of them have occurred already this season. 
you look at Lucas Giolito, he didn't have his best stuff on Saturday, but La Russa trusts him. Uh, the, he's the next starting pitcher that he that La Russa trusts because he leaves Giolito out there for at least seven innings. Mm-hmm. So he he's the poor version of Lance Lance. So do you it will is Lucas Giolito your number game two starter? Because in a short series in the division round, you really need two starting pitchers. And of course in the league championship series, in the world series, you get that far, you really need uh three strong starters. So who would be your number two starter behind Lance Lynn um in the playoffs in a division series? Will it be Giolito? Will it be Dylan Cease? Could it be Carlos Rodon? You have oh, to throw him in the mix as well. You think the easy answer would be Giolito, right? I mean, you would I think. Mean, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I think that this might be a, a good problem, I guess, for Tony Russo to have to find mm-hmm. out. Okay, you look, Lynn, you you give experience with Lynn, but then Kaiko's got some you know, postseason experience too, so you want to try and maybe get him mm-hmm. in the, in that third spot. So I think probably Giolito, I think, would be. I think for me, I mean, I think it's easy, but I don't know. I think right now for me it would be Carlos Rodon. Me, yeah. Or Dylan Cease. Yeah, look, you can, here's the thing: you can make a case for all those guys, and I think, look, mm-hmm. this is a kind of a good problem to have your if you're Tony Lewis, and once you get to that point where you have to think about playoff rotation, but I, mean, I, I think right now, I think you know, Lynn's probably the number one guy. I think for me, Gilia would be the the second guy. I think Keiko would probably be that be that third guy. That's just my my that's mm-hmm. my playoff rotation as of right now. Again, ask me again in about a month. So. That it's a change. <laughs> I heard a couple of people throw around this idea that when Michael Kopech gets back and assume that he doesn't get hurt for the rest of the season and, and he keeps this up coming out of the bullpen and makes it makes spot starts, heaven forbid that anybody gets hurt in that starting rotation, you should throw him out there for one playoff game to start. I was like, that's not a good idea. I think you leave him in there, barring injury, of course. You leave him in in that in the bullpen come playoff time, your bullpen's already strong because, like you mentioned, Lakina, whoever doesn't get the um, the starting nods in the playoffs, assuming that you advance to the championship series or perhaps the World Series, let's just say if it was Lance Land, Giolito, and Keiko, those are your three top starters. The rest of the starting staff will absolutely uh, will uh, usually uh, will, will will obviously go to the bullpen, and you have Kopech barring injury. That makes your mill relieve and your bullpen even stronger. So starting Kopech right now in the playoff game, no, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. well, he's, he needs to be starting consistently. I think that's going to be, like, the thing. You exactly, really can't, exactly. You really can't put him out there if he hasn't started consistently. You don't want to put him in a playoff situation where if it's, like, game five or something like that or, if, you know, a pivotal game five or if you're, it's a game six where you have to, you know, you're trying to stay alive. I don't think you want to put him in that situation, especially since mm-hmm. he – you haven't really put him much as a starter. You're going to have to give him some more mm-hmm. – you know, some more, you know, some more starts as a starter before you can, you can even think about even putting him in a starting rotation, you know, in the exactly. regular season. So I think you just gotta, I think for people who want him to be part of that starting rotation, I think let's, let's have him start on a consistent basis in the rotation first, before you start putting him, you know, talk about putting him in the playoff uh, as part of your playoff rotation. I think that's just, that's kind of backwards thinking there, but again, that's just me. Take a look at the White Sox schedule coming up for this coming week. Of course, as we mentioned, they have a three-game series against Toronto on the south side. And then, of course, this coming weekend, you'll have a three-game series at the D against Detroit. And, of course, next week they'll host Tampa for three games before going back out on the road for a big four-game series against the Houston Astros. 
Lakina, this is the time for the White Sox to make hay. You're currently uh, have a four-game lead in the division as of this recording over Cleveland. This is a good team, folks, so get out there and support this team. I know things are starting to open up again. We'll talk about that later, but uh, support this team. This team is starting to come together, and uh, even despite the injuries, they're more consistent. Uh, You're getting great starting pitching. The defense is starting to turn around, and with the weather uh, heating up, especially here in Chicago, uh, the offense is starting to come around. So, folks, you want to check out a game? Uh, with the White Sox, I know some White Sox fans travel well to other cities. Please do that if you have, if you could do that. But support these fans on the south. Support this team on the south side. I know on this coming Friday that uh, it'll be open to 100% capacity. I know their next home games um, with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays next week. They'll still be as of right now. They'll still be operating under the 60% capacity rule. Uh, rumor has it they may open it up to 100% before then. If not, their next home stand, which will be Friday, June 25th, they'll have they'll officially open up to fans with a 100% capacity. So I know already that uh, the White Sox, White Sox have had eight sellouts with the capacity limit already this season. So fans are coming out. So hopefully fans will continue to come out. And, and we, we know for sure, unless barring a major collapse, that this team will keep on running. So hopefully – or more size fans will come out to support this team. Yeah, and the tickets are pretty cheap too. So I think everybody, mm-hmm. look, if you're a White Sox fan, you want to see this team, I think you guys definitely should check out because it's definitely worth the price of admission. So said, let's go to the north side right now. Yeah, we had to get you out to a game or two, Lakina. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I said before, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not there, there yet. So you know, give, give me to like the end of August. Maybe we'll, maybe we can you know, go to, maybe I can go to a game with you guys then. But I mean, let's go to the north side for this for a second. Um, the Cows were able to. Salvage a, a win against the a very tough Giants team. Mm-hmm. You know, un- unfortunately, you know, thankfully they won that game on Sunday because that would have they would have been swept and then that would have been a good look and Cubs fans would have gone crazy again. <laughs> but uh, look, Patrick Wisdom, I mean, you know, a rookie, you know, had two homers. I mean, mm-hmm. look, he he was just like you know, I, he can't really he can't really play with his name too much. You know, maybe words of wisdom or something like that. It's not, it's not it doesn't have like the same like pizzazz <laughs> as like your Mercedes. He can't like you know. Maybe, I was gonna maybe, say, do you treat like your Mercedes right now? <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, but that that's true too. But uh, yeah, but look, I mean, he was the reason why the Cubs were able to establish that win. They have a very tough series going on right now against the Padres, who they swept. You know, at in, right here in Chicago over at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. So maybe hopefully, you know, they can probably win you know win the series there, so they can have a, a solid five hundred record you know, from out west. So, but but we'll get to the rest of the NL Central because things are getting pretty interesting and there's a lot of jam now. But what do you think about the, what do you think about the Cubs and that, that series against the Giants? Uh, I think I still have some more work to do as far as producing runs offensively. Uh, I, I watched some of that game on Saturday. Whoever the analysis were, they were terrible. I think it was Aaron Goldsmith, whatever the hell his name is, and Ryan Sweeney, the former uh, baseball player they they were terrible but I, I I'll I'll digress from that but uh, the Cubs it seems like when they start to heat up offensively they usually put the foot on their necks on on the opponents but when they struggle to score runs without the long ball as we talked about before Lakina uh they struggle and I know the bullpen especially the middle has carried them these last couple of weeks you don't expect them to do that for the whole year shutting out their opponents uh, off the scoreboard but 
the, this Cubs team needs to score runs consistently. Uh, looks like uh, they go, uh, they're starting to do that. As you mentioned, Patrick Wisdom, he's the third player in baseball history to hit seven home runs in his first eight games. That's amazing. Uh, do I, I expect it to be this power here for the rest of the season? Probably not, and that's okay. You need role players like that to uh, do their job and, and, and know what to do. As, I, as we said before, Major League Baseball, uh, when a player comes out that is unknown, he can hit the cover of the ball for a while, but when your opponents adjust, can you make the adjustment back to be more consistent? That's the key. And if you can't do that, you'll, you won't be in a Major League uniform for long. Yeah, I think, if, look, if you're, if you're a coach fan, I think you should be riding this ride right now. You know, the pitching, you know, starting pitching didn't really have a, a good – it just it just really didn't work for the Cubs in the area. had a horrible start on Friday. Zach Davies were able to kind mm-hmm. of hung off for a little bit, but then, you know, Brandon Crawford, you know, he's showing you why. He's, like, probably one of the front runners mm-hmm. from the National League MVP. Uh, like I said, Wisdom, you, you know, Hendricks had a, a solid – had a solid start after coming back from a bad start, so – you know, he was able to kind of sell himself down there. So, I mean, look, there, there were a couple, maybe one or two of those games against the Giants that you probably see the Cubs probably should have won. You know, you know, there was some, like, weird things that happened late in some of those games. But, look, it, look you salvage a win, you know, in this in the series. We'll see how you do against the Padres. You got to, you know, play in San Diego. So, that should be, you know, that, that'll be fun. <laughs> you know, I'm sure the Padres will love to enact some revenge after being swept at Wrigley. I'm sure they're going to definitely want to win. So, let's let, let, – I would say maybe just try to try to win at least win the series. That way you can kind of get back on that on that track. Because I think you kind of went off track a little bit with that Giants series. Let, let's talk about Cal Hendricks, Lakina, who picked up the win last Sunday um, in the series finale, which was very much needed. He didn't look great. I know he has a 7-4 record overall for the season. He just hasn't been himself. But he did enough to keep the Cubs in the ball game, pitching six in the third inning, giving up three earned runs. He had three walks, but he struck out five. Lakina. I want to say that he's turned the corner, and I want to say he's not going to be the Cal Hendricks of a few years ago. But if he does just enough to keep the keep his team in the ball game, they'll be okay. Would you accept that? I think he should. I think Cubs fans would accept it. I think that they know that this is sort of like this is sort of like this. I don't want to say there's a cycle of Hendricks, but this is sort of like what you get. I mean, he had you know, had none, mm-hmm. didn't have a really good April. You know, kind of bounced back a little bit in May. Had a struggle on Sunday, but it was able to kind of settle down and you know, kind of finished up strong. And and I, I think look, if you can get that sort of like consistency from Hendricks, I think you you're in pretty good shape. Now, the guy I'm worried about right now is Arietta. Gave up four runs. Mm-hmm. That that that's who I'm worried about right now. And you know, hopefully, maybe it's just that he had a really bad start. You don't want, especially if you're trying, if you're trying to talk about contending in the National mm-hmm. League Central, which is still very winnable, by the way. I, I mean, you need to, you know, I'm worried about Arietta right now. I think Cubs has more worried about him than about Hendricks. Yeah, we talked about it early in the season. Jerry Arietta was the Cubs' best pitcher uh, coming out winning his. I believe four of his first five starts, and of course he suffered an injury, which set him back. And then now, since he's back, he's he struggled in his last couple of starts. As we told you guys before the uh, season uh, kicked off, Jake Arrieta from 2015-2016, you're not going to see him anymore. If he does just enough to keep your team in ball games, that's going to be enough because he's an older pitcher and he's not going to blow you by with uh, great stuff like he did in the past. So wherever you get out of Jake Arrieta. Uh, providing that he stays healthy, uh, that's what you're going to get. It's, it's a bonus for this team. Now, you mentioned um, Trevor Williams and um, 
and Zach Davies. I know that above them been struggling. I know Patrick Williams. Uh, sorry, not Patrick Williams. Good grief. Uh, Trevor Williams. He picked up a win uh, a couple of starts starts ago. So I don't know if that he's finally turned the corner, but we'll see about that. Zach Davies has kind of been up and down. So uh, the if you're um, general manager Jed Hoyer, I know he was on. Um, inside the clubhouse uh, on, on the flagship 6-7 to score in Chicago on Saturday. I don't know if you caught the interview, but since now that uh, Wrigley Field will be hosting 100% capacity starting this coming Friday in the big series against St. Louis, we know fans show up at Wrigley Field in droves and, and it's close to a salad almost every home game. The Cubs will, um, will have uh, more than enough money to uh, go make it uh, a acquisition at the trade deadline. If you ask me what the Cubs need right now, uh, a big bat or starting pitching, it has to be starting pitching. Yeah, I think that's what they need right now. And I think they don't have that. Now, they just reloaded their farm system. So if you're Jed Hoare, you're probably going to have to be creative because I don't think you want to give up some of that stuff. You don't want to get up with your guys like Ed Howard and you know, guys like mm-hmm. that. So you're probably going to have to be a little bit creative. I mean, look, Jed learned under, under Theo. You know, he's shown that he can, you know, get some moves I have possible to have his hat so we'll see what what he decides to do and like you said so they, they can't they can't feel the, the ownership can't play poor anymore with like with full capacity mm-hmm. coming up this weekend and you know you're gonna have money coming in especially since this team's actually pretty decent you're not gonna yeah. do the whole like oh we can't spend you're, you're gonna have to add and even Jeff Passon. money, folks. Yeah, and, and <laughs> they rebuilt the whole neighborhood over yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And side, look, so. and look, and Jeff Pass does a great job, you know, with, you know, covering baseball for ESPN. He said, look, yeah, they're going to add. They didn't – look, I yeah. think that they are ahead of schedule, but, yeah, they are going to add. So how they're going to do that, like I said, you know, Jed Hoare is going to have to be creative. And I'm sure they're going to – he's not going to want to trade some of his top prospects who they just reloaded in their farm system. So you're going to have to be a little creative. Do you get – Okay, we'll talk more about this, you know, in about a month, you know, once as the trade deadline approach. Do you get maybe like a Matt Scherzer or somebody like Max Scherzer or somebody like that? So, mm-hmm. look, I think, look, if you're a Jed Hoyer, you're at a, I think this is a good problem to have your Jed Hoyer because, you know, you didn't, you didn't really think that you'd be contending. You are. You're actually a pretty decent team. You're pitching. You're going to need, you need another, because I think you, you have the best. You know, look, if you need to find another veteran bat for cheap, you'll go for it, but you're going to need mm-hmm. a starting pitching, starting pitcher more than anything. So and we'll see what Jed decides to do. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We're, we are talking about the Chicago Cubs. We'll get to the best and the worst from the weekend from, from the rest of MLB in just a second. Lakina, let me put this question out there. I know we're going to talk about this a thousand times between now and July 31st. If you're Jed Hoyer, Wilson Contreras is under contract, I believe, two more years after this year. Mm-hmm. Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, free agents after this year. And the Cubs are still contending on July 31st, which I believe they will. Do you still uh, think about trading one or both of them to uh, load up your farm system? Or is it? do you just – play common sense and resign both of them in the off season and then perhaps maybe trade one of them next season. Cause that's a tough dilemma that this Cubs thing will have to face at some point. Yeah. I think that's going to be the thing where are you going to, are you going to have guys that all both of them going to be willing to take a, take a team discount? Look, you know, Chris Bryant's agent is Scott Boris. So I don't think Boris is going to let him take a team discount. Look, I think <laughs> if you're, look, I think if you're Jed Hoare, you have to kind of, you have to play smart. You have to play smart with this. And I think that, look, if you mm-hmm. look, you, 
look, you're not going to pay you know, Brian two hundred like eighty million. You're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, two two, you know, maybe if you get like maybe give like two ten, or maybe you can sign Hobby for like one sixty or something like that. You know, just have a lot of instead of do something similar to what you did with Jason Jason Hayward. You know, way back when, maybe have you know put in that kind of contract. That's something you may have to do. Have to kind of be creative here and. You know, do you maybe trade one, you know, and probably perhaps try to reload your farm system again? I mean, it depends on how you want to do this because you're not going to be able to sell the fan base that, oh, look, we're, we want to contend in three or four years. No, you want to try to contend consistently mm-hmm. every year. So that's, it, it, that's probably, like I said a couple of minutes ago, that, yes, in this, in this case, you're in a very tough spot, your jet horse. So we'll, we'll see what he does. Look, he's a pretty smart guy. Like I said, he learned it for years under Theo, so he kind of know. But he has his own style of doing things. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what he does here because I'm sure they will look. I I believe the Cubs will still be contending by the trade deadline. So he's mm-hmm. gonna have to try to probably try to be creative and maybe perhaps maybe try to see if he can do it just a player. So I'm gonna have to give up some of your guys from your farm system, which you just reloaded. So we'll see. As we said before the regular season, Lakina, you are now year two of this new. Cubs network, the marquee network. And do you want to go into year three, year four, year five rebuilding as you create this new network? No, that'll be bad for business. I know it will make sense baseball wise, but uh, business sense, uh, even though this network, as we mentioned, is uh, in year two is still new. You don't want to do that just yet. It will have bad optics. And it's good. You're not going to be able to sell it to the fan base either. So Exactly. Yeah, so you're going to have to you know, be creative and try to maneuver some money and if you have to, but you know, you're not going to be able to sell a, a rebuild for, for another two, three years for, to the Cubs fan base mm-hmm. that got, finally got a taste of getting a World Series ring, you know, winning a World Series. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to sell that to the fan base now. No, you're not. All right, Lakina, let's move on to the best and worst from this past weekend from, from around Major League Baseball. What stood out to you the most? Boston. I guess Boston is showing you that maybe, look, maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not, they probably will be contending. I mean, their their hitting has been, you know, amazing. You know, they were able, they swept the Yankees. I I mean, look, I they've won four mm-hmm. in a row as of this recording. And, I, I look, their pitching has been really good. Their hitting has been good. J.D. Martinez has been, you know, you know, been hanging the, the, the doors off the ball. And I mean, look, this could be like a, just a blip in the radar if you're a Yankees fan. You're not feeling very good mm-hmm. right now. The fact that you got swept by your rivals. Again, well, like a lot could happen. Look, you know, all these teams are going to have to play each other for the next few weeks. So I think we'll, we'll see what happens in the AL East. You know, that should be interesting too. Um, I would, I would also say that, you know, the Dodgers, not so much. They didn't have a very good week. They, they have a lot of injuries right now. Some of those guys are starting mm-hmm. to come back. You know, we'll see if they can kind of right this ship because, look, the Padres have also had their struggles too. So so we'll see what happens. But no, no one's really – no one has, like, this really big hot streak up, you know, besides the Red Sox, I guess you can say. Everyone else, is, everyone else has kind of been, like, up and down this weekend – you know, I know the Mets won, a, you know, won their series, and the Braves won theirs, and the Phillies won, Philly, Phillies won theirs, and the Cubs have to play the Mets later, you know, some, you know, early next week. So that's gonna, that's that's mm-hmm. gonna be a big series for them. Um, the the Phillies are kind of right there too. So yeah, there really hasn't been this big stand stand out. I mean, yeah, the Brewers, the Brewers have won four in a row as of this recording. That's why they're now tied with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm look, their their headings, I'm still question I still question their heading, their pitching is really solid, <laughs> but their yeah. Heading, yeah, their heading's been inconsistent. They're kinda like the Cubs in a lot of ways. So I know I don't really expect them to be up there either. But you know, again, the you know, DeGrom, you know, had a had a nice sign over the weekend too, you know. He has a, a major league leading seven point point seven one ERA as the best ERA to the end of May since nineteen sixty-eight. So you know that that's like yeah, I think he's probably like you know that wise. He's probably like the 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 best deal you know, stand out to me. Yeah, you, as usual, you know, Lakina still is one of my talking points. But I wanted to talk, I'll talk about Jacob Degrom's performance from the Mets uh, last Saturday uh, as part of a, a part of the four nothing win against uh, the San Diego Padres. He struck out eleven. Uh, ever since he came back from the injury early in the season, Lakina, uh, Jacob DeGrom has looked strong. As we told you guys before, he's what makes that engine go for the New York Mets, uh, period. But for their starting staff and Norris Syndergaard, their other stud pitcher, is still down with an injury. Maybe he'll return later on in the year. But I don't know if I'm – even though the Mets took two out of three in San Diego, if you're a Padres fan – don't get worried just yet. I know you're playing the Cubs as we record this, but if you're a Padres fan, don't worry. Uh, you still have a good team. Uh, it's a long way to go, so you, you you should be fine. But on the other side for the Mets, as I said in our last episode, Lakina, I think this Mets team is good. I know Francisco Lindor finally broke out last weekend, but do you trust them? I'm still in the wait-and-see mode. I know Atlanta took two out of three, as you mentioned, Lakina. Uh, I watched some of, the, uh, some of that, that series. I'm I'm waiting. Uh, which team? <laughs> Here's the question from the NL East: Which team do you trust to go on the hot streak, the Mets or the Braves? Because both teams haven't done it yet. I'm doing a shrug emoji <laughs> for people who are going to be watching this. I, mean, I, I don't I don't know. Like I, said, I don't I don't know because I think like both these teams have had their struggles, especially early on. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, look, I'm sure Mets fans are still wondering themselves as well as the Braves fans too. I'm sure they're wondering, are they, are, you know, are, do, are either these teams, you know, to be trusted or in the Phillies, look, the Phillies say, look, like, don't forget about us. We're right there too. So like I said, that mm-hmm. AL East is still going to be up for grabs and we'll look, we'll see like in a couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, we'll see what they do. Um, like what I think Houston and, and Houston and Oakland perhaps could probably be you know going back and forth. I mean I think Houston left for mm-hmm. a little bit, but then you know they lost they lost they didn't have a very good week. You know now Oakland is leading by one game at right now as this recording, so we'll see where they're where, where they are. The Blue Jays have like I, like I said earlier have had their struggles lately. You know the the Yankees you know lost have lost four in a row, including games swept by the Red Sox. So that's you know, that, 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 that's another thing, too. So I think, look, we'll see. Like, the weird thing about these divisions, especially the ones that are very, very close, that they – all these divisions can change, can change a, do, a drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. Now Milwaukee, Milwaukee's tied with the Cubs right now in the NL Centrals, and no one really saw that coming. So I, I don't know. Well, talk to me in about another week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as, we, as I told you in our previous show, the Milwaukee Brewers are the scariest team. They're the wild card. No pun intended. And look what's happening now. As you said, they're tied with the Cubs for the top lead in the uh, NL Central Division. Uh, the Cardinals got swept uh, in their home, in their backyard against the Cincinnati Reds. As of this recording, the Reds are one game under 500. The Cardinals, I do trust that they'll uh, uh, get it together, but uh, they're not as strong as they were. They have been in years past. You saw some of that last year, too, in a, in a shortened 60-game season. So I still believe the Cardinals will be there somehow at the end, but 
Uh, the NL Central, no one's going to run away with this division. No, no, we've said that. We've said that for like the last month, and I don't think that's going to be the case mm-hmm. either. You, you know, going through some of the some of these matchups you got coming up this week. I mean, it, it, you know, Miami, Miami and Boston are going to play a short series. That's going to, you know, be interesting. To Kansas City, they go at Los Angeles to play the Angels. The South Southern California Angels of Orange County. I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know what that did mean at this point. <laughs> Um, Atlanta plays Philly. See, well, like I said, we're going to get some of our answers in the, in the, in the NL mm-hmm. East. <laughs> um, the Dodgers hoping to bounce back. They got the, the Pirates. The Mets, they play Baltimore. The Rockies play Miami. You know, some of the companies, are, those were makeup games. You know, that, that game against Miami against Boston, that was a makeup game from earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Houston will play Boston. That should be a fun one. Milwaukee and Cincy. Seattle and Detroit. Washington and Tampa, San Fran and Texas, New York and Minnesota, Toronto and Chicago, like we mentioned, Cleveland and St. Louis, the Royals at the Angels, the Diamondbacks and the A's, and the Cubs and the Padres. Those are some of the series, some of the series are going to be kicking off, to, off tonight. Uh, going back to that Twins-Yankees uh, series, Lakina, I want to see how the Yankees bounce back, especially after being swept uh, by the arch rival over the weekend. Uh, this Minnesota team, uh, they're not good. If, if For those of you uh, listening and watching our show here in Chicago, of course, as again, uh, during Friday night's postgame show on NBC Sports Chicago, he gave the official goodbye, kiss of death to the Minnesota Twins as far as winning the division this year. Bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> I want to see how the Yankees turn it around and get a subpar uh, Twins team. Uh, maybe going on the road is the best thing for this Yankees team. Uh, they did not look great uh, this weekend. As we talked about before, now with the injury to Corey Kluber and their starting pitching staff, how can they muster up uh, uh, quality starts outside of Garrett Cole and uh, youngster Jordan Montgomery? We're going to get the Excuse me. Where are they going to get the other guys from to help at least give them some um, five or six innings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting, and, right? <laughs> and can they get any the consistent offense as well? Hmm. Yeah, that's been the problem for them. Unfortunately, now that you know, the clue is going to be out for a few more weeks, I mean, that's that's going to be the thing. You know, they're pitching. You know, you saw what happened with their pitching against the Red Sox. It did not look good mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, that bullpen was been terrible. Yeah, oh, oh, we, uh, you know, all this Chapman. What's hap- What happened to you, my friend? Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what we'll we'll see what happens with the Yankees. I mean, I'm sure the Yankees fans are not going to be very happy. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing like what some of these are. Some of these some of these you know teams are going to be able to separate from themselves from their divisions, or are we going to get be right back to where we started? You know, right now as we're recording this. You listen You're to listening that? to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> live, folks. Li- we're live, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Sega City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, since we have a few minutes left in this first segment, let's transition over to basketball. We'll uh, give you our uh, reviews from the second round games that opened up this past weekend in our next segment. But Lakina, to close out uh, this opening segment, we'll review games six and seven. Uh, from the Los Angeles Clippers Dallas Mavericks series, uh, of course, in our last episode as we recorded, <laughs> I said um, the Dallas Mavericks uh, should have uh, sooner that they, they won <laughs> against the Clippers. That did not happen, and yours truly was happy. You know why? Because the Clippers did something that many people didn't expect them to do. 
after losing game five the way they did, of course, we ran it and raved about that, raved about that in our last episode. The Clippers actually came through. They won a big road game in game six. Thank you, Kawhi Leonard, scoring another 40-point piece. And then, of course, uh, last Sunday, they finished off the Dallas Mavericks by the score of 126 to 111. Both superstars came through, i.e. Paul George, i.e. Kawhi Leonard, who had 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. He was one assist away from a triple-double. Luka Doncic in his first Game 7 of his career dropped in 46 points and dished out 14 assists. Lakina, let's go back to Friday's game. The, the Clippers uh, uh, in that first half looked like they were going to lose it again, but in the second half they came through. They played much better defense, as I mentioned, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, came through with some big three-pointers with under two minutes left to go. He hit two of them, I believe, and the Clippers held on to win that game. Now, in game seven, they started uh, the turning around uh, with some hot shooting. The Dallas Mavericks stayed stayed with them in that first half, but in that third quarter, towards the end of that third quarter, you saw the real Clippers starting to show up, and they and they took the game over from that point on, and uh, they earned a game seven victory. Yeah, I think they definitely, if you're a Clippers fan, you got to be, you know, breathing a sigh of relief. I mean, and Kawhi showed you why he's becoming, like, one of the, the kings in the, in, the, in the playoffs, you know, with 28. Uh, Marcus, mm-hmm. Mar- 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 Marcus Morris Sr., he had 23, definitely a, a playoff, career playoff high mm-hmm. for him. Um, Paul George had 22. Nicholas Batum had, you know, some, you know, made some big defensive rebounds. You know, he had 11. Um and, and look, I think we saw a little bit of, you know, that this is a Clippers team we finally, you know, we finally are seeing. And, you know, that we mm-hmm. all expect, you know, Terrence Mann had 13 off the bench, made some big plays too. So I, I think, I think they were starting mm-hmm. to see, like, I think the Clippers, we might actually be seeing the real Clippers. Who knows? We'll see. It, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to be facing a, a pretty good Utah team. So again, we'll talk more mm-hmm. about that in our next segment. But look, you know, Ty Lu improves his four and oh at all time in game sevens. The only other head coach that has that big of a good of a record for game sevens is Red Auerbach. He went eight and oh <laughs> so you know he mm-hmm. you know joined some pretty exclusive company there. I mean look I think look Duncan, I mean look 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 he had forty six points you know fifty you know, Dorian Fitty Smith has had 18. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., he was a little bit banged up. He only was able to have 11. Um, Porzingis had a double-double. Marjanovic had a double-double, but that, you know, that wasn't enough. So, look, I think if you're, if you're Dallas, I think you're probably, like, you're wondering what direction do you want do you want to take your team? I mean, you've got Donkage, but some of the supporting cast, you may have to get rid mm-hmm. of some of those guys. Again, you know, that's another discussion. But, yeah, as for the Clippers, I think, look, we'll see if maybe they finally have torn the corner and exercised those demons from last year in the bubble. You know, we'll see how what they do against Utah. We'll talk about that, and like I said, on, mm-hmm. on the other side. But, you know, I, 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 I like what I saw. I mean, look, that look, we all thought that they were a goner in that Friday night game in game six. We all thought mm-hmm. that that was going to be it. But, you know, Kawhi, look, Kawhi, show you why he's one of the best playoff, you know, you know players of all time. So, and you, you saw that. You saw it in Game 7, too. He, he stepped up and made some big shots, too, with Game 7 on Sunday. I know some people want to question the leadership skills of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he was outspoken in Toronto. Of course, he was the leader of that team. They won the 2019 NBA championship. I know people questioned his uh, leadership skills last year, especially during the bubble, along with Paul George. Now, some guys can lead by example. 
Some people lead by their words. Some people could do both. I think for Kawhi and Leonard, at least for this year, he's choosing to lead by example, and he did that in these last two games. Now he needs to keep that up in the series against Utah. As Lakina mentioned, we'll preview that series on the other side. But some people are uh, are, are leaders in different ways. Every, everybody can't be everything to everybody. So uh, for Kawhi Leonard, as of right now, it's working. He's choosing to be a leader on the court, and you saw that in these last two games against Dallas uh, with the Clippers' backs against the wall. You, you, you see how people respond. Paul George responded in a positive light. Uh, Kawhi Leonard obviously did it, but Marcus Morris Sr., as Lakina mentioned, reading off his stats from game. Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D A 0. S I D K I D A 0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore me on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, that WARR Media videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. We are War on Anchor if you want to listen to us only. The audio drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday, the audio drops. That's available at War on Anchor. We are available on podcast platforms. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes, W-A-R-R on Anchor. Go to our website, wearerigoradio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. <laughs> yes, and we're on a pod, Jagly Fun, Lakina List. Continue with these good times as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned as we kick off segment number two. The Eastern Conference Final semi, uh, Eastern Conference Semifinal Series kicked off on Saturday. The first series was the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, the Brooklyn Nets have home court advantage. The Brooklyn Nets took game one by the score of 115 to 107. Kevin Durant led the Bucks, well, sorry, led the Nets with 29. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, as my computer uh, froze there for a moment, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, a.k.a. the Greek Freak, led all scorers in Milwaukee with 34 points. Lakina, James Harden didn't even play one minute before he left the game with a hamstring injury. He's out indefinitely. As we said before, um, the playoffs are about matchups and adjustments and your role players uh, playing up to par. The Brooklyn Nets had that. The Milwaukee Bucks didn't. Breaking down the box score from Saturday's game one victory from Brooklyn. A couple of things stood out to me. Blake Griffin ex- uh, getting extended minutes, 35 to be exact. He totaled a, 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 a personal uh, season high for him with 18 points. A Brooklyn Nets season high for him with 18 points. He grabbed 14 rebounds. Nicholas Claston came up big uh, for Brooklyn. Even though he had four points, he grabbed three crucial rebounds in 14 minutes of action. And and Bruce Brown scored six points in 21 minutes of action. But the big star here was Mike James scoring 12 points, including shooting two or four from three-point land. Lakina, Brooklyn <laughs> has something that the Milwaukee Bucks don't have. And the, even though this was game one of this series, Brooklyn has better players. They have heart. The Milwaukee Bucks don't. Yeah. And you know, if you listen to this show, 
I don't like Milwaukee's head coach, Mike Budenholzer. As I said before, and I'll say it again, I just said it a couple of seconds ago, the playoffs are about matchups and adjustments. Milwaukee, well, what are you going to do as the, uh, as the series goes along? Of course, as we record, this game two has already been played. As the series will now move to Milwaukee for this upcoming week. The Milwaukee, the chess move is on you. What are you going to do? How are you going to stop Kevin Durant? How can you neutralize Kyrie Irving? And who's going to step up besides Giannis to score? Chris Middleton, where are you, buddy? Mm-hmm. And who's going to be that third score to help you out? These are the questions that need to be answered and answered in a hurry. <laughs> Absolutely right. And I apologize for, apologies for me at disappearing on you guys. It wasn't it wasn't my fault. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't want to talk about the Mavs and the Clippers, but but that's over and done with. But you know, look, as far as the series look, I think that the Nets are showing you that they have a lot of depth and look. You know, we'll see if Harden will be able to play game three. He's already been, you know, been ruled out for game two. <laughs> I mean, like you said before, James stepped up. And and I think, like, look, I think Giannis did what he needed to do. But, look, the other guys need to step up. I mean, look, Chris Middleton, he only scored 13. That's not going to be enough. You know, Brooke, mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez, you know, had 19. And and uh, Drew, Drew Holiday had 17. But, look, they need, they need more. Look, they need, look, they need more points off the bench. They need more. You know, the PJ Tucker only had seven. That's not going to do it if you're trying to beat the Nets. The Nets are showing you that they actually have a lot of depth there. You know, when mm-hmm. one guy gets hurt, the other guy step up. And even in the case with the Nets, Mike James had, you know, that, that that has to be like a season high for him, right? 12 off the bench. So that, that has to be yeah. a season high for him. But it, it, look, if they, you know, Harden show you, you know, look, this isn't his first rodeo. You know, Blake Griffin, I think he probably hasn't played in the playoff game in like since I think like what, 08, I think with the Clippers. So it's been a while for Yeah, him. in a couple of years because he in was with, with the Pistons when the Milwaukee swept them a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. been two years for Blake Griffin playing in the playoff game. Yeah, but it's the most points he scored though since, you know, those, those, you know, those Clippers teams he was yeah. on mm-hmm. in the late 2000s. So I, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, I'm sure he'll probably, I'm sure he feels better that he's on this scene the time he, look, but the, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> But Bucks, they need, they need contributions from the other guys, like I mentioned. You know, Milton needs to step up. You know, the guys off the bench need to do that. You know, Connington, I mean, we know he's cap- what he's capable of. Jeff, Jeff Teague, you know, Bobby Porras, you know. You know, we know what some of these Bobby. guys are capable of. Yeah, we, look, we know what some of these guys are capable of. So those guys need to step up and help Giannis out because he can't do it all mm-hmm. by himself. And Only 17 they, points off your bench is not going to get yeah, it done. That's not going to get it done against a team like the – like the like the the Nets, and if they can't do that, the Bucks this season is gonna this 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 particular series is gonna end and it's gonna it's gonna end really fast, and you know you won't be able to make your head spin if you're the Bucks. And who knows, you know, it might get get wish Boone Hose will probably get fired. We'll see, but you know, still a long ways to go. <laughs> but I look, I look, I have the Nets in six. I'm still sticking by that. I think the Bucks will mm-hmm. win a couple, but you know, even with Harden being out. I, I'm I'm not gonna go back on it, but it, it's gonna be very interesting, and very crucial for the Bucks to get those contributions from some of their supporting guys. And also too, Drew Holiday, who's who was acquired from the New Orleans Pelicans before the start of the season, he has to step up as well. He didn't shoot the ball great in game one. I know the Bucks had a hot hot start to the game, especially after uh, James Harden's injury, but they they couldn't sustain that momentum from the opening quarter. You saw Brooklyn, they took over from the second quarter on, and Milwaukee, outside of Giannis, they just couldn't find themselves. We'll, we'll see what happens as the series goes along as it shifts to Milwaukee for games three and four later this week. Uh, the last Easter Conference semifinal game to review with you from game one is the, from the Philadelphia 
Atlanta series. The Atlanta Hawks led from start to finish. They held on for a 128 to 124 victory. Trey Young continues to shine in his first playoff appearance. He scored 35, dished out 10 assists. Joel Embiid scored a game high 39 points, grabbed nine rebounds, dished out four assists. Lakina is simple, even though this is quote unquote today's NBA. Atlanta had the hot shooting. Philadelphia didn't. I know Philadelphia made a run late, but they couldn't keep up with Atlanta. Now, can the Hawks keep up this hot shooting for the entire series? I have, I, I, I say no. And I think Philadelphia will find a way to get back in the series and win this series. But uh, give the Hawks credit. They set the tone from the start. I just don't see them keeping this up for the entire series. Philadelphia is a better team, but they got to give a better performance on Tobias Harris and definitely Ben Simmons. I need you to start making some shots, Mr. Simmons. I need you to hit some free throws, too. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'm also yeah, the free guys, three for ten for free throws. That's not yeah, that's not gonna get done if you're trying to make the, mm-hmm. that they could have won that right there had they made those free throws. But you know, they mm-hmm. did make a run. You know, the Sixers did make a run, you know, when they were down big, you know, they could have they didn't give up, which is good, but you know, but like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, Danny, Danny Green, I mean, this isn't your first rodeo here in the playoffs here, dude. You need to step up, you know, only four points. That's not gonna do it. If mm-hmm. if you don't look, if you don't wanna give Atlanta confidence, you better win game two. Because if you mm-hmm. if you lose to Atlanta, they're gonna feel confident. You know, they're gonna have their you know extra pep in their step, and you know you don't want to be in an O2 hole if you're Philly. So look, like I said, Harris needs to step up a little bit more. Danny Green, like I said, this is not your first rodeo. You were you played in a lot of playoff games when you were in San Antonio. This isn't your first time. Um, ben Simmons needs to hit hit his free throws and maybe some contributions off the bench. I mean, you know the ball, Matthias DeBow had ten, but you know he can do better mm-hmm. than that. You know, Dwight Howard needs to do a little bit better than that. Only had zero points. You know, yeah. He played only eight minutes, so that's not going to get it done. That's not going to help. That's not going to get it done. So you need to look. I, I look. I think that the Sixers will will right the ship, but they they need to do it. They need to do it in a hurry because you don't want to be in the old two hole and you know have have a give a team like Trey Young and Atlanta and a a Trey Young led Atlanta team confidence. Mm -hmm. You just don't want that. Yeah, we talk about Trey Young uh, uh, leading this Hawks team, but let's talk about some of their role players uh, from game one. Kevin Herter in 29 minutes of action scored 15 big points off the bench, including shooting three of six from downtown. Danilo Gallinari, even with that bad haircut and all, but I'll leave that part alone. He contributed with nine points. He was a plus 11. Uh, he shot two or four from the field, including um, a four or four from the free throw line. Uh, Clint Capella uh, had another double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. And John Collins finally showed up. Yeah, I know he had that big alley-oop dunk toward the end of the game that helped seal the deal for the Hawks. He had 21 points. He grabbed four rebounds. So even though... John Collins was in foul trouble. Uh, he, he stepped up when he had to. So it was an all-around T effort for Atlanta. I know we focus in on Trey Young, but let's give the Hawks role players credit as well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's not just a Trey Young show. There are They have had guys that stepped up. So we'll, we'll see if they can keep it up. I don't know if they will, but I think they're showing, you know, the Sixers that they're not going to be pushovers. So we'll see mm-hmm. how, how, you know, how this, sort, this series goes. Yeah, so let's see what, uh, will, what Doc Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers, will do tonight is game two will take place tonight from Philadelphia at 6.30 p.m. Chicago time. That game can be seen on TNT. 
Lakina, let's start our Western Conference semifinals preview series. Of course, game one between the Clippers and the Jazz will take place tonight at 9 p.m. on TNT. That's from the Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake, Salt Lake City, formerly known as the Delta Center. Uh, the Clippers, who just uh, defeated the Mavs on last Sunday in game seven, though, uh, the Utah Jazz will have home court advantage. Uh, how do you see this series? I, I expect this series to be a long series. Yeah, well, yeah, I think if you're if you're the Jazz, I think you're kind of you're you're sort of like upset. You upset that the Mavs you know, lost that series because we said, like we said in our in NBA playoff preview, you know, this is probably the worst case scenario for the Jazz. You know, game seven, yeah, I know game seven. We'll see. They, they may they may take you know game one. They might win game one because you know we'll see how the Clippers look. You know, they may not have a lot of gas. They may need to kind of just help sort of like, you know, re replenish themselves. But I think, look, I've got Clippers in six, maybe even seven, because I think that they're just a better team. If we see the Clippers team that we saw those last like game and a half against the Mavericks in, that, in their last series, the Jazz are in pretty big trouble. Now, again, look, the Jazz, not to say that the Jazz aren't capable. Look, if mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell, you know, step up, you know, Rudy Gobert could step up for, then they need, look, the Jazz need some contributions for some of their role players. You know, those mm -hmm. guys need to step up too. So, yeah, look, look, like I said, I think if we, look, if we see the Clippers team we saw for those last, that last game and a half in the, in the MAV series, you know, the Jazz are in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. now, like I said, if Mike Conley Jr. could step up, if, be it Bogdanovich, if he could step up for them, you know, their role guys, George Niang, you know, their, their guys, you know, play Jordan Clarkson, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see, but, you know, look, I think this should be one of those fun series and I'm looking forward to, this might be probably like the best series. Maybe, maybe this next series when we talk about it a little bit, but what do you, where do you see the series, Sid? Uh, you took, uh, as usual, take some of my uh, bullet points, but I'll give you credit, as you said at first, about the role players for both teams. I want to focus in on the guards uh, for both of these teams. You mentioned Mike Conley Jr., Joel Ingles, or we've been crying about him for the last couple of years. Where are you, buddy? Let's see if you can step mm -hmm. step up if, if you're a Utah Buck. On the flip side for the Clippers, Reggie Jackson, he had an up-and-down series uh, against Dallas. Let's see what he can do in the second round. Playoff Rondo, it's time for him to show up again. I think uh, he can match up uh, better uh, than those. Uh, he has the edge over the the Jazz starting guards. I'll tell you that right now. So I expect I don't expect Ronald to drop 20 a night. That's not his job. But uh, I want to see him bring that veteran presence and, and that leadership. And I think he'll do that on the floor. So I expect the guards for the Clippers to step up. And like you said, Marcus Morris Sr., he had a big game seven. Let's see if he can be consistent in round two against the Jazz. Uh, we know the Jazz have Rudy Gobert, the stifled tower, uh, your reigning defensive player of the year. You have Donovan Mitchell. But uh, it's going to come down to guard play. I think the Clippers have a slight edge when it comes to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that might that probably might help them. I think like, this this series is going to probably go six or seven. I think it's mm -hmm. going to be, you know, like we said, who role players step up more? We know the Clippers have role players that can step up. We know the Jazz players, the Jazz role players are up and down. So we'll see. It should be look. It should be a, a lot of a lot of fun, and it should look. I, I think that we're definitely going to have a fun series here. And look, you know, game one's tonight on TNT, Lakers and Jazz. So right after the Hawks Sixers game two. So make sure you guys check that game out. Yes, and then the other Western Conference semifinal series will take place tomorrow, which is Wednesday for those of you listening to us via the audio version. 
This game will start at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on TNT. The Denver Nuggets, who eliminated the Portland Trail Blazers in six games, they will travel to the Valley of the Sun to face the Phoenix Suns, which they eliminated the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers in six games on the world last Thursday. Lakina, I'll say this right now. This series better and will go seven. Yeah, this is going to be the first time these two have met in the postseason since 1989. You know, get ready to feel old, folks. I mean, Chris, CP3 was only three years three years old at the last time these teams played in the playoffs. Also, Paul Millsap, Etwan Moore, and JaVale McGee were the only players on either roster that were alive then, so get ready to feel old. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, Real quickly, Kina, uh, and no, folks, I'm not on Google. A rookie named Dan Marley was on that team. Yes, Phoenix. he was. <laughs> uh, I believe he was in his third year. Uh, a starting point guard named Kevin Johnson was on that team. Yes, he was. The late Conovis Simmons was coaching that team. Mm -hmm. Tom Chambers, who had a dunk <laughs> over Mark Jackson during that season, uh, and we need him in the face, was also on that team. <laughs> who else was on that team? Good grief. Uh, I want to say that. Eddie Johnson, who I believe won six man of the year that year in 89. Mm -hmm. He was Chicago's very own, by the way, Weston House. Uh, I, yep. I believe he was Weston House. He was on that team, so yeah, there were some pretty good Suns teams back then. They just couldn't get over the hump. Of course, they got Barkley. They lost to the Bulls. We saw what happened after that. But, yeah, those were some fun uh, young guns for the Phoenix Suns pre-Charles Barkley back then. I know people don't want to overlook because it was uh, it was the Lakers' world back then. But the Phoenix Suns had some pretty nice players on those teams in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look at the, the lake. You had the Lakers. You had to deal with Portland too. So yeah, there were yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah Golden State, a, you, who Utah. they defeated in that next round. Uh, yeah, in Utah. That year, but yeah, Utah. I think was there too. I believe so. Mm -hmm. that, during those yeah. years, so early years. So yeah, I mean that, like that that whole Western Conference back. You know, outside the Lakers, it was actually pretty deep. People don't people don't don't remember that. But you know, back mm -hmm. to this series. I mean, look. This this <laughs> not feel old. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, no, that's that's why I wanted to quickly change the subject. Um, this this yeah. this is probably one of those years that probably will go seven. I think. Look, no, look, Jokic. I think that he could be kind of like, you know, sort of like that that guy. Now, you know, Phoenix likes to play a little small, so you know that mm -hmm. that's going to be a tough cat, tough task for someone to try and stop him and maybe perhaps try to neutralize him. But if Look, if you're, you know, Booker, if you get that, continue that hot shooting you had in game six against the Lakers, if you, if, you know, Jay Crowder can step, you know, step up, you mm -hmm. know, he had some, you know, great minutes too. CP3 in the leadership and, you know, look, the Nuggets, look, you know, this is probably when not having Jamal Murray could come back and bite him in the butt. Mm -hmm. We'll see if Aaron Gordon can, you know, can step up. You know, he did step up in their last series, but. I don't know. I mean, this, this could be one of those series that could go either way. I mean, like it's like we've been saying, this could probably easily go seven. What do you think? Yeah, I believe this series will go seven. As you, as you mentioned, my first point was how will Eric Gordon fill those shoes of Jamal Murray? Now you're playing a better Suns team. Uh, will he average over 20 points a game? How many minutes will he, will he play? We shall see. Joker is going to is going to give you all he's got for Denver. And on the flip side, DeAndre Ayton, how much he's going to play against Jokic, how much uh, in terms of scoring will he give the Phoenix Suns? It's going to come down to matchups in this series. And uh, uh, for the role players, for the guards, it's really going to come down to guard play. Who's going to guard Chris Paul if, you, if you're the Denver Nuggets? Because we already know that Devin Booker's going to go off. Now, will he have a historic series like he did against the Lakers? I'm not so sure because I think Denver's a little bit better defensively than the Lakers are. But 
how how are you going to contain Devin Booker? If you can, then it's going to limit DeAndre and it's going to limit some of the other guys that come off the bench for Phoenix. But for Denver, how will Eric Gordon respond in this series? And who's going to be that third scorer for Denver to help out Jokic? Will it be Paul Millsap? Uh, will it be be Michael Porter Jr.? I know uh, he's improved very much so that he's one of the finalists for the sixth man of the year. I think sixth man of the year or most improved player. Six uh, I forgot which one. Probably six, six man of the man. year. Yeah. Six man of the year. So how much he, he's going to contribute. So uh, the two things I'm looking at for Denver, who's going to go guard Chris Paul, assuming that he stays healthy. And number two is going to be that number three score to help out Jokic. It's going to be the role players. I think that's going to, that's, you know, well, like, like you said, you know, we'll see if Millsap can look, we've seen him do this in the playoffs. So we'll see if he can do that. You know, Monte Morris, um, Jeff Green, you know, Michael Green, as I should say, um, you know, that that's going to be sort of the thing, you know, can, can those role players from the Nuggets step up? I mean, you know, the, the Suns, you know, they, they've got some depth too. So we'll see if which, which one of those guys can step up too. I mean, look, you have like the young coaches battling. I got Quinn Snyder versus Monty Williams. I mean, that'll be an interesting, you know, you know coaching matchup as well, both both you know, oh, Mike Malone versus my, my Mike, well, Mike Malone. I was like, okay, the Utah. I forgot. I keep getting the mix up for some reason. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> look, I, I mean, look, I think, look, I think, look, Mike Malone. I feel like doesn't give enough credit for what he's mm-hmm. done with this team. So, I, I mean, we'll we'll see what you know, Mike Malone and you know, Monte, you know, you know, Monte Williams. I mean, they'll, they'll both still have different styles. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jokic, you know, you'll the Aiden will have the task of trying to you know try to tame Jokic, which you know, good luck to him for that. You know, with right. that. Um, but like I said, it's going to be the role players. I think, look, it's going to be very interesting. And I think, look, like I said, this is going to go seven and look, don't ask me who's going to win because I, it could change. <laughs> it could change by the night. So look, this will probably be a very entertaining series. And, and I think this is, this will definitely easily go seven and you can flip a coin, you know, who, who wins, you'll probably be right. Yeah. I like both of these teams, but um, uh, because I've been cheering for Monte Williams all year, and Phoenix has been that consistent hot team from the start of the season up till now. I'm going with Phoenix in seven. Will it surprise me if Devin won? No, but I think Phoenix is running a, 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 an emotional high uh, off of being the legacy. I know they had a few days off, so they, I know the series will tip off tomorrow. But uh, I, I I think that Phoenix has enough to get to at least the Western Conference Finals. So, uh, like you said, it's going to be a back-and-forth, long, drawn-out series. But I think Phoenix will have enough to win. Should, like I said, it should be a lot of fun. And we'll let, let's you know, let's go real quick before we go off. So let's go to the NFL, talk about the team that Denver beat uh, to, to, to advance is the Portland Trailblazers. And they have announced that they're making a coaching change. They made this announcement a couple of days ago. Terry Stotts with a 23 and 44 final record in the playoffs. This is a sec- that's the second worst by a head coach, trailing Mike Fratello. Um, they decided to, you know, part ways with him. They mutually decided to both sides mutually decided to part, part ways. And, you know, Damian Lillard really wanted Jason Kidd, who is the currently the assistant with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, Kidd has decided to pass on that. So now Well, he can't take the job of the front office like he tried to do in his previous two. Yeah, stops. yeah, probably. <laughs> that's probably why he couldn't take it, right? That's probably why he couldn't take it. Oh no, you, you stay over there. You no, go no. away. No, so it's gonna <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna be very interesting to see who they decide to go with. And look, I think 
look, I think Lillard, you know, Lillard and his people have said that he's not going to make a big stink about it, but I'm sure he has his preference. You know, I don't know if he mm-hmm. has a plan B after kid said no, but um, this could be very, it's probably, look, this is a franchise that's at a crossroads, I think. What, how do you mm-hmm. feel about it? Yeah, I agree with you. This franchise is at a crossroads right now. We talked about this in our last episode. Damian Lillard let that, um, posted that tweet, a quote from um, the late Nipsey Hussle, the rappers on um, one of his songs, um, paraphrase, uh, uh, where will preparation meet opportunity? How, how long shall I be patient? Uh, somewhere, somewhere along those lines. Uh, this roster needs to change. Will Carmel Anthony come back for his third season in the Blazers uniform? Who knows? Like you said, he in our last episode, he's 34 years old. CJ McCollum, he's a nice player, but is he really your number two? Probably not. And your big guys, Zach Collins and um, Jerkic, mm-hmm. um, uh, is that enough? Probably not. So who's going to be that third scorer? You really need a swing man on that team to – uh, to help you create and go get a basket. Uh, let's just say they don't bring Carmelo back. You need that swing man to uh, give consistent score because we know Dame Dollar, he's going to struggle. Uh, it's going to be nice just naturally that he's going to struggle. Who's going to pick up that consistent scoring? I know Robert Covington, Chicago's very own. Um, uh, he made a, an impact at times this year, but is he enough? No. And so, but, but before all that, you got to get a coach who, who, uh, who knows the system? Are you going to play uh, run and gun like they have been all, for all these years? Or are you, you going to totally just totally change the style of play? And that that's going to be the first question that needs to be answered. I know Jeff Van Gunny has been rumored to being linked up to that job. Another couple of the coaches as well. Do they give Sam Cassell a call, who's currently the LA Clippers head coach? Do they give him a call? Uh, David Fisdale, maybe, I don't know. Uh, do they give him a call? Will they give Kenny Atkinson a call, the former Brooklyn Nets head coach? Who knows? But uh, Portland had to answer the question, which uh, style of play uh, that they want to play going forward. Is this something they need to discuss discuss internally, perhaps uh, with the, obviously with the new head coach that they're going to hire? And that's going to be like the million-dollar question, right? I mean, I, I kind of feel like at this point, if you're Damian Lillard, you're going to be 31 next month. What do you want to try and see if you stick it out and maybe perhaps maybe have a hand up picking your new head coach? Mm-hmm. Or do you try to like, you know, force their hand and say, look, I want to be traded. Now the question is going to be, if he decides to go with the latter, who will he get traded to? Will there be, mm-hmm. do, do the, uh, the players have anything that they can get besides Dame? Yeah, I'm sure you'll maybe throw in another, like one of the role guys, perhaps maybe, and who do you trade them to? Do you, do you mm-hmm. keep them in conference and trade them to Golden States, which I'm sure people are going to be dreaming of that scenario? Do you go- <laughs> Maybe the Lakers, you know, look, the LeBron and AD both need help. <laughs> so they need to be a Or perhaps, guy. or perhaps, I think we talked about this in our last episode, perhaps the New York Knicks. I know, I think they'll, they're the number one team in the league this summer with the most cap space. Of course, the World Wide West had those draft picks as well. So if you decide to blow it up, if you're Portland, do you consider the Knicks? Mm-hmm. I know Bulls fans. Just a know, thought. And no Bulls fans, like we like we said, you know, there's gonna be they're gonna have to move a lot of pieces in order to make that happen. So I don't know if mm-hmm. he would he would do that. Um, I would like to see him here, but I don't think it's gonna happen. No, nah, I think there's a lot. There's a lot would have to happen in order for that mm-hmm. to for that order for that to take place. Um, I really can't think of anyone else. I, I don't really 
because I'm sure if you're Portland, you don't want to, you want them out of the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, maybe Boston, I guess. But, you know, with everything happening, do you really think if who's going to be their next head coach? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know who's going to be there. And, you know, maybe Miami. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, do you, um, what's that one? Maybe uh, Toronto, what direction are they going to go? Uh, that, that's probably about it, right? I mean, I don't think you can, yeah. you can I don't know if you can take them to Washington because, you know, maybe Beal, Beal may want to leave, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, if you trade, uh, they'll have to trade Russell Westbrook, but I, I just don't see them, uh, Washington, doing that for Damian Lillard. You get, I'm not going to say you're getting the same player, but. <sighs> I know Russ is older, but if you're Portland, why are you doing that? I know contracts have to match, but if you're Portland, why would you consider that? If, assuming that you're restarting over. I don't know. Going to be going to be interesting to see what they do here. We'll keep you guys updated. You're listening to Second like City Sports Zoom style, along with Cindy Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. All right, so let's go to the NFL gridiron for a second. OT, well, um, okay, mandatory mandatory mini camps. I'm doing the whole air quotes with the mandatory part. <laughs> um, or as Keyshawn Johnson would say, the voluntary mandatory. Mandatory, but yeah, I'll <laughs> say back in the day. <laughs> if that, okay, if any of that makes kind of makes any sense, <laughs> but uh, probably the big story that came out on Sunday, early Sunday, well, going into Sunday afternoon, you know, we talked about it, you know, Julio Jones, you know, the top wide receiver from Atlanta. He has now been traded and he's been traded to the Tennessee Titans for a pretty good, I think maybe, I think what, what they maybe won like a second round pick or something like that. Yeah. The 2022 second, yeah. 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. So they didn't give up much. So they didn't, yeah. So they didn't have to really have to give up much. Exactly. I know Atlanta was asking for a first round pick according to reports. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording, Lakina. Uh, the Titans got it still. I think this was a fair, fair deal, deal, fair exchange. I know on the flip side for Atlanta, yeah, Calvin Ridley, who's now the number one wide receiver over there in Atlanta. I know Matt Ryan's on his last legs, even though he's still good. I know they have a new head coach, so uh, this frees up more for Calvin Ridley. Now, getting back to the Titans side of things, uh, they played this correctly. This is how you make a deal. This is a fair value. Julio Jones is still good, but uh, he's been injured the last couple of years, so the uh, the Titans uh, recognize that. Everybody from around the league is watching the same tape, so you can't fool anybody. Now, on paper, him lined up opposite of A.J. Brown, it looks good on paper. The question is, if you had coach Mike Vrabel, who, uh, of course, uh, they got to the AFC title game a couple of years ago. I know they lost in the wild card round to the Baltimore Ravens last year. The question is, if you're head coach Mike Vrabel, will you change the offensive philosophy? Because we all know that it leans towards Derrick Henry. I know common sense, football common sense wise, this should take the pressure off of Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're Vrabel, do you turn Ryan Tannehill into a pocket passer? Well, we know that he can run a little bit, but he's no Michael Vick, okay? He's no Lamar Jackson. But do you turn... Ryan Tannehill, who at times did put up some big numbers, but do you want him to do that every single week? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's that quarterback, the way you build up that system over the last three, four years since you got there. Yeah, that's going to be the billion dollar question, right? How is he going to fit that? You got, you know, the Titans got a new OC now, so you got to think that are they going to keep up <laughs> with what 
you know, what they've been doing the last few years. I mean, is he, you know, is he really gonna, you know, Todd Downing, that's his name for you, for those of you who are wondering who the new OC is. Mm-hmm. It, it's gonna be interesting to see what, what direction he decides to go. You know, does he go, does he keep, kind of keep up with what Arthur Smith, his predecessor, did, was kind of keep giving the ball to D. Henry? Or do you, now that you have Julio Jones, do you try to spread the ball around, you know, not take the pressure off A.J. Brown, and then maybe try to, you know, be him near your top target? And is, look, mm-hmm. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill, and I know some people wonder, I know, you know, I saw our buddy Ken Davis, we had, we had to get him on the show at one point, at this, at one point. You know, he said mm-hmm. that, you know, Tannehill, really, you're really going to give Tannehill the keys to do this? But, I mean, I mean, look, we've seen Tannehill, you know, he's, look, He's done some things, you know. Yes, he can run and gun. You know, yes, no, he's not Lamar Jackson, but do you do you, do you trust mm-hmm. him to kind of try to get the ball to Julio Jones? I, I don't know. I mean, and and also AFC wise, I mean, you know, they they probably you know, it's going to be between me, them and the Colts when we do our previews. It's going to be between them and the Colts for the AFC <laughs> South. Now, where do you mm-hmm. put them at this point? They said trade. You know, the Chiefs, the Bills. The Browns, Ravens, Colts, Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you is that the order you want? Do you move some teams around? I I really don't know. And and look, also the Titans defense. Look, we've had Kayla Anderson on. You know, she covers the team down there in Nashville. They're opportunistic, but are the defense? Do you think the defense is capable to kind of be sort of right? You know, be average with the mm-hmm. offense and sort of like you know, lead into the promised land. Those are there are a lot of questions yeah. still. Yeah, they struggled uh, talking about the Titans defense, even though they're very opportunistic and they were against the Bears <laughs> last year. Just that game sticking out my mind. Matt, Matt Nagy forced Nick Foles down our throats. But they are a very opportunistic defense, but they struggled to pressure the quarterback. They brought in Jadavian Clowning last year. He didn't do any damn thing for him, as I told you people that he, he was going to do. <laughs> but uh, they failed to pressure the quarterback. I know Mike Vrabel is a defensive guy. Uh, uh, how much better they'll get on the defensive end, we shall see. But right now, it doesn't look good on paper. But it, it, this is a philosophy. As I said before, who are you offensively? If this is a team now that's going to try to outscore you, good luck with that. I know they had yeah. some thir- over 30-point games last year. They had about two or three last year, if my memory serves correct. But, uh, you know, we all know that this Titans offense right now is built off of Derrick Henry. And uh, he's one of the best young running backs in the game. But if you, as you say, uh, it's the Titans are turning the keys over to Ryan Tannehill. It looks good. It sounds good. But is it really a long-term answer to where you want to go? Right now, I don't think so. And you talk about the where they ranked among the a- rest of the teams in the AFC. They're still right in the middle of the pack. Remember, this is, Julio Jones is still good, but he's been injured the last couple of years. Now, if he has surprising uh, – and he's 32 as well. So Exactly. That's... So we know in, in the NFL, that's old. That's senior citizen age. So they still in the middle of the pack for me. Are you telling me right now they're better than Baltimore, who beat them in the playoffs last year in their own backyard as of right now? No. They're not better than Kansas City, even though they have offensive line problems. As long as Patrick Mahomes stay healthy, they're not better than the, than the Chiefs. Are they better than the Steelers? Maybe, but as of right now, no. Are they better than the Patriots? Maybe. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, but I know this is not the Patriots of years past. Yeah, I I would say yes. As they're better than the Patriots, though, because the the defense, like I said, the Patriots defense. Yes, a lot of those guys are coming back from opting Mm -hmm. out last year, but they're all a year. They're all over thirty. They're all going to be a year older. So I I know some people will love to put the Patriots up there with those six teams I mentioned, but I, I just don't see it. Are they better than Buffalo? 
No. Oh no, no. I would even look. I would say they're they're not even better. I I think the Colts are so better than them. Oh yeah, I, I, I know really, you talked like, about them a whole lot last year. And, yeah. Uh, the Colts had the number one defense in the league last year statistically, so uh, they're 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 definitely not better than the Colts. I I mean, look, I, look. I I know that I know people are you know wondering. Okay, well, well this. Is this you know, like look? I know people like Carson Wentz is definitely kind of the wild card here as far as the quarterbacks is concerned for the Colts, but the pieces are there, the O line's there, T.Y. Hilton's back, they got a good defense. I think look, I think the Colts are better than the Titans. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's just my. I agree. That's just my my uh, synopsis. I don't think they're better than the Ravens. I don't think they're better than the Browns. I don't think they're better than. They're kind of they're probably gonna be fine for the last wild card spot. That's where I am with the mm-hmm. with the Titans right now, especially if they don't if they don't if their defense can't adjust. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. They still in the middle in the pack for me. Like you said, they'll probably be battling out for one of those last wild card spots. I don't have this schedule in front of me, but uh, the the, the schedule is going to get tough anyway because they were a playoff team a year ago. But uh, if, if if most of their roster stays healthy, they'll probably be right in the playoff mix. But I know some people want to put them up as a sneaky Super Bowl contender. Maybe it will work out because work out because you know there's always a team that comes out of nowhere that has a surprising season. Will it be the Titans as of right now? I don't see it. They've got to play the NFC West. Ooh, that's not going to be a cakewalk. I'll tell and, you that right now. Yeah, and they have to play. I, I guess the AFC East. There you go. I'm sure they'll have to play Buffalo. Oh yeah, they're yep. gonna yep, they yep on week six, I think they play Buffalo. <laughs> so yeah, on Monday night. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't know. We'll see. It's it's just like I said, I, I don't look, I don't know how I feel about this trade at this point. Look, I think the Times definitely got a second guy to be kind of, you know, to be that second guy with AJ Brown, but Again, I don't think this makes him a Super Bowl contender. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll get we'll get some mm-hmm. folks on to talk about it at some point. Maybe we can get Kayla back on, but I, I just don't see it at this point. I, I don't. I agree. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. We have a couple minutes left before we call it a day. Lakina, you said he has a, a comment on too on Simone Biles uh, as the Olympics are coming up and within the next. Uh, six weeks or so. I know some people in Japan still protesting that they still don't want don't want the games because they don't have uh, the the vaccinations under control. Yeah, I know the cases are still um, uh, uh, in jeopardy over there in Japan. So uh, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, I think for me, as far as the Olympics are concerned, I think, look, I think that the countries, I think all of them, I'm going to assume that at least most of the the, the, the athletes are going to be vaccinated. I would say maybe 70 to 80 percent, depending on what country they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm assuming that that's how they're going to do that. I'm sure they're going to put like restrictions. No one out from outside Japan. You know, I think it's, I guess we have a session of maybe media people, I guess, will be able to travel. We'll see what NBC mm-hmm. does with their commentary teams i mean they might do it remotely i know people don't like that but at this point especially in this you know COVID, yeah. especially in japan they might that's probably something they're going to have to do you know but again we'll, we'll we'll talk about that once we get closer and closer to the olympics but as far as simone biles is concerned seven u.s national championships gymnastics championships she's the first woman to accomplish that she continues she continues to define you know, gravity and everything else, you know, she had that. I'm not even going to try to pronounce some of these because I, I, I can't do it. But 
she was doing, <laughs> look, she can be doing even even more difficult stuff than that. But they, you know, she was told by I guess for I guess by the International Gymnastics Committee not to go that far. You know, they're saying for those reasons. But I think we should appreciate her as long as we can because this will probably be the, her last competition. I'm sure. Yeah. That, you know, and and look, let, let's appreciate her while she's while she's you know there because i think look seven you know that's she's the first i think she's the first female to win seven i think mm-hmm. yeah i think so just let's just appreciate her and let's just show her some love and cheer for her as she tries to win another all-around title yeah and i remember watching her in the last Olympics. she was spectacular uh, i think it, like you just said i think it's, it's the consistency no-brainer that she's the greatest uh female gymnast ever uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, who's your number two? Is it Shannon Miller? Is it Dominique Dawes? Tom, I'm talking about feeling old. <laughs> yeah, right. Dominique Dawes, Carrie Strug. We, we saw what she did in 96 in Atlanta uh, with that perfect 10 before she injured her ankle for a gold medal. Medal Is it Dominique Comaniche? I know we got over here late, thanks to uh, Caroli, <laughs> the head coach. We got him over here on our side back mm-hmm. in the 90s. So. Uh, I wanted to ask you, who's the second greatest gymnast all, of all time? If we say some old Biles is the best. Um, I'd probably say Shannon, Shannon Miller probably because of her consistency, I think. She went to a couple of Olympics. So one, I think she won, I think, like eight medals in total. Of course, the Okuna gold with, you know, 96. So I would say she's probably number two. Maybe Nastia Lukin, I think she's probably, you know, she's doing some TV. She's done some TV work there with uh, NBC and, and help. Oh, call, I forgot about but, her. Yeah. Yeah, so I think she's probably up there as well. Maybe Sean Johnson, you could probably put her up there. Sean Johnson, that's right. I know she was doing some TV work too. Yeah, I think I think she's also I think she still is going to be doing some TV work too for the Olympics. Um, I'm not, not for NBC, but I think for another network. But I know she just had her her she's pregnant now, so they might she might not be able to. But yeah, I mean, like I think they think that look, I think this will kind of turn the corner there for the U.S. You know, hopefully, you know, we can make you know make strides here, and also too on the men's side. Um, I forgot the name, the guy that won it, but hopefully, he seems like someone that can. I forgot, I gotta get his name, but you know, he seems like somebody that could probably help. You know, maybe ha- be America's best chance of winning an all-around medal for the men. So, um, like I think that, well, like I said, we'll talk more about this as it gets closer to the Olympics, but mm-hmm. uh. I, I, look, I think that for the U.S., that you're, you're you're feeling pretty good for the U.S. right now, and it's you know, of course you know, the track, the track and field events will start in a, start in a couple of weeks too. So, I mean, I think that we could definitely see some of these names that are going to be you know falling out for the Olympics because I think that this is definitely like you know one of those times when I, I think that you know I think that people should know who these people are, who these guys and gals are. Uh, Brody Malone—that's his name. I just thought of his name, Brody Malone. Yeah, that's okay. easier all-around champion on the men's side. Yeah, just one quick thought before we close out. I wonder how how the ratings are going to hold up uh, for the Olympics, especially here in the United States with the NBC being the the main carrier. Of course, uh, basketball—we're talking about the uh, NBA will be ending. Uh, who's going to be on that team? We'll we'll get into that, like you said, as the weeks leading up to uh, to the uh, open ceremonies of the games in late July. But how are the ratings are going to do with with uh, with the Olympics? Of course, the NBA will be over, so they don't have to compete with that. They'll still have to compete with baseball, which they'll be baseball. But the uh, training camps will be starting for the NFL at that time as well. And of course, I believe the preseason will start as the games are ending. So. And maybe I'm, I'm answering my old question. I think it'll still do well, one, because we didn't have it last year. So people are anticipating uh, how uh, the Olympics will hold up. As of right now, I don't think they don't have any spectators in the stands. So that's going to be a factor. So 
how uh, how will the ratings um, carry out here in the United States? July 23rd is when the Olympics starts and they don't, so they don't have to worry about like mini camps or anything or training camps or anything like that with the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's like right before the all-star break now. There could be some tape delay issues here in the U.S. because it's going to be in, mm -hmm. in Tokyo. It's about like maybe what, two, three in the morning, the next Tuesday, uh, Wednesday there. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem. I'm assuming that the Peacock app, I think that's probably, I'm sure they're going to have it available for folks. You know, they can sign up on a Peacock mm -hmm. app and like, I don't know how they're going to do it. So, cause there's, there's going to be, look, a lot of the stuff is going to be on prime time has already been, will already been done already. So that's the gymnastics, yeah. the swimming, the track and field. So that's another problem that NBC is going to have. So, and also too, Jason Manet is going to be doing the baseball, which will be pretty, which will be pretty cool. Um, Beth Mowens cool too, that, a part of the Cubs family. She'll be yes, doing some of that as well. Congratulations to both the, of them. I think, I think the softball, too, I think she's going to be mm -hmm. doing so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, well, again, we'll talk more about that, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be like some adjustments here too, especially I like you said, I think the Rays will be pretty high. Of course, you know, with patriotism, like you said, since we didn't have them last year, mm -hmm. but also to the, the tape delayed aspect. So you're, you're probably going to learn about what, what's going to happen in these events by the time these, these, mm -hmm. you know, the coverage starts in prime time. Thank you, so, social media, just yeah, like we had so, in our last Olympics. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's going to be a problem. Well, that's one of the pitfalls of having these things in Asia, unfortunately, yeah, you're gonna have some. You're gonna have some, you know, tape delayed issues there here in the state. So, I don't know how the Rays may not be very good, but again, we'll see. So, yeah, we'll see as um, we're counting down to the Olympics, as Lakina mentioned. There, they'll have the opening ceremonies on July 23rd. It's been another great show, Lakina. Uh, uh, talking baseball, NBA playoffs, of course, Simone Biles. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the NBA playoffs this week as the second round is underway. It's absolutely right that these eight teams are left, I think, because mm -hmm. yeah, I think these, these, are, these eight teams are very deserving. And, you know, some of them have had injury issues and concerns, but we'll see how, they how some of those teams respond now that we're going into the playoffs. They're going to be playing <laughs> like – you know, maybe every couple of days, depending on how the schedule is. So mm -hmm. it'll be very interesting, though. This should be fun. Yes, and we're going to get about it here and have some more fun on our next episode of Second City Sports. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. And you know, such a quality one, the Belmont. So they may he may end up winning two because remember they came he came in second with Medina Spirit. It says Medina Spirit failed his second drug test. So such a quality might have might have two of the th three triple crowns. So, <laughs> so congrats to the, so congrats uh, to to him and uh, you know, to the people there because you know the, I know that that horse has you know you know has battled some things and you know Brad Cox you know that's his first triple crown. So. You know, congrats to him. But with that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube first with the videos dropping every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos dropping every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast on War, at War on Anchor. The audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, Every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio version at War on Anchor, we're available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes, W-A-R-R -R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. 
And you can follow us on all social media platforms, including here on YouTube. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you for very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, and we are unapologetically fun. We're going to get up out of here and enjoy your sports week. We'll be back on our next episode for the weekend edition of Second City Sports. For Miss Lakina and McGee, I am Sydney Brown. Until next time, hop up. Have a great weekend. Have a great week, everybody, and stay cool.